You're listening to a sermon audio from Cypress Church. You can listen to more sermons on our website or by subscribing to our podcast on iTunes. We hope you enjoy the sermon and invite you to attend one of our services at 9 and 1030 a.m. on Sunday mornings. right? <laughs> For grace, we've been saved through faith, that not of ourselves. It is a gift of God, and we are so thankful and encouraged to be able to live in that gift and be able to live out life in that. It's just a good thing to sing about and talk about. Hey, take your Bibles, if you would, and open up to Colossians chapter 3. If you don't have a Bible with you this morning, that's all right. Our wonderful ushers are uh, coming down the aisle. They have a stack of Bibles in their hands. If you'd like to borrow one, just wave at them, and they'll be happy to uh, Loan you one, it is a loaner, so leave it there when you're done. But if you don't have a Bible and you'd like one at the end of the service, just head down to the, or head out the back door or these doors and to the uh, long table there, the information desk, ask somebody, say I'd like a Bible, and they let you have it for free. Uh, All we ask is that you read it. Take also out of uh, your uh, worship folder, fold it around to the outline side. There's something about Christmas, we'll talk about that in a moment, but just getting you ready for that. And there's some uh, notes to write down. There's some blanks to fill in. The answers will be up on the screen. But I also encourage you to write down the extra verses that we talk about because you'll want to study as, that we, as we go along. But man, can you believe the holidays are almost right here? <laughs> I mean, Thanksgiving even so late. Uh, people have already been decorating for Christmas. I saw it last week. Uh, on Facebook, people are posting pictures of their houses all decorated outside, inside, tree up, presents under the tree. Who are those people? And then, uh, you know, Black Friday was supposed to be Black Friday. Now it's like, I don't know what Technicolor day, something. It's just they keep announcing more and more. They want you to buy, buy, buy. But, you know, we're going to blink and it's going to all be over. <laughs> and for some, that's their prayer. Uh, because... With the holidays come this, uh, this certain acid on the stomach. Now, I'm not talking about the, the, <laughs> the rich foods, or the overeating, but it's a definite indigestion that this time of the year brings. It's a particular stress. It's not the, the pressure of shopping or uh, baking or decorating, but it's a specific intensity of times that times like these bring. This intensity, this stress, this indigestion, this acid on the stomach is the reality that over these holidays, we will most likely face awkward relational interactions. <laughs> like Aunt Edna can't quite hear, so everybody's yelling. Cousin Julie brings her older man boyfriend once again to dinner. That weird guy at the office uh, just keeps finding you everywhere you go at the office Christmas party. Grandma gets fairly graphic about her ailments. Crazy Uncle Joe keeps having gas and uh, says, you know, pull my finger. Uh, You bring a date and everyone thinks you're engaged. Now, I got to say something here because this has actually happened here. Uh, Last week, I was giving an illustration about the, we were speaking of the glory of God in this series on Colossians and talking about how expressing the glory of God is like a young couple that's really in love and they're they're, they're, they're expressing that as they talk to each other and they can't help it. And I use the illustration of our, our student ministry pastor, Stan and Joanna, and their relationship. Never did I once say they were engaged. However, they got back, reported back to them that they're engaged now. 
See how awkward family relationships are? They're not engaged. Okay, are they engaged? Okay, no. Okay, but maybe. Putting the pressure on you, Stan. (laughs) See, family relationships are just awkward like that, aren't they? (laughs) Oh, but as we spend time with others this Thanksgiving and Christmas, unfortunately, there may also be those awkward, hurtful moments. Uh, putting on a good show uh, when there really is unresolved issues and conflict between husband, wife, kids, parents, siblings, friends, faking that family love when there's been distance for years or the reality that the relationships we desire just didn't happen. There's friction, frustration, there's disrespect and disconnection, there's tension and turmoil and incredible loneliness. Not what we had hoped at this festive time of year. And truth be told, that's what relationships do. They build in great distractions, distractions from the focus of what Thanksgiving is all about, giving thanks to the Lord for all that we have, and distractions to Christmas, and really focusing on the, on the Christ of Christmas and, and how excited we are about them. And, and relationships do distract. They, they taint our times, and they're naturally messy and confusing and awkward, and it all gets ramped up right around the holidays. And yet, it's through relationships where God has brought the greatest glory. Like relationships comparable to Dot and Clayton Slagle. Um, don't you just love those two? Oh, man. I, I, I got to tell you, you know, I had the privilege of sitting with Clayton and we're just talking and all of a sudden he'll start talking about Dot and it's just like he goes off into an alternate world and is, you know, cocks his head back and just has his smile on his face and he's thinking of something and I really don't want to know what he's thinking. But, but, uh, but it's just neat to see it and sweet to see as, as they walk down the hallway, even down the church, you know, they grab each other's hand and they walk. And it's, just, it's just wonderful. I want Christy and I to be like you two and, and to love like that. But their relationship just oozes the glory of God. I want to be a better husband and a better glorifying father because I look, look at a guy like Clayton. And their relationship together, they just ooze the glory of God. And then I think about the friendship similar to the Andersons and the painters. You know, it's hard to, to know where one family ends and the other begins. They've been walking through life together and just enjoying that time together and walking through some very deep waters and some high highs and spending time together. And their families have been kind of knit together. Now there's going to be a little bit of distance because the Andersons are moving to Washington. But it's just neat to see. It's God glorifying to see how they are loving each other and, and, and uh, encouraging each other along the way. And then I think of ministry relationships like, like this church and the Kamir family ministry. This uh, connection started as, as a, a, just a, a, a look, they were looking for a place to, to just to rent so they could start their church. And yet because of how loving you are as a church and how loving they are as a church, we just kind of get knit together as one church. And now we're really one church. There's not just the Khmer Church and, the, and Cypress Church. We're all one church. They are Cypress Khmer Family Ministry. And they've been through a lot as a people group even distrust, but yet your love has allowed them to trust us to be part of our church and they become members here and they're, they're, uh, uh, Bo is on our elder board, one of the people that's come through that ministry and, and there's a connection there and together we are better. We're enhancing each other and, and flourishing and bringing God great glory. See, relationships should bring glory to God. But like the Colossians, 
we have issues. Hopefully you're in Colossians chapter 3. Just look at verse 8 for just a moment. Uh, Paul was, we talked about this last week, was addressing the Colossian believers and some of the issues they were dealing with. Verse 8 of chapter 3 says, but now you must rid yourselves of all such things as these. And he lists a bunch of things that the, the, the Colossian church was dealing with. Anger, rage, malice, slander, filthy language from your lips. And then he goes on and talks about how they uh, were un, uh, talking about not being uh, forgiving to each other. See, difficulties happen in relationships, and those difficulties affect us, and we've all been affected. How many of you are from uh, or a product of a broken home? Yeah, a lot of us are. How many of you have been hurt by a friend? Yeah. <laughs> How many of you have had a strained relationship with your boss? Hopefully none of the staff are raising their hands. <laughs> How many of you have been at odds with a neighbor? Yeah. How have you were lying? just being human means relationships will struggle but when christ is central in life and we seek to follow Jesus' way Jesus' example and and to and acting like jesus it will have a huge impact on our interaction with others and even turning difficult situations and and believe me whether you're 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 living just great and perfect life there's still going to be difficulties in relationships because relationships are messy but when you have Christ in the center he will even turn those those difficulties into something wonderful and you will grow and that person will grow and be amazing and will bring God great glory see Paul's been teaching all through this book of Colossians that we should bring glory to God flip over a little bit to Colossians chapter 1. We looked at this quite a while ago. Verse 9, he says, for this reason, he's talking to the Colossian believers, since the day I heard of you, Paul, hearing of, of the believers at Colossae, he says, we have not stopped praying for you and asking God to fill you with the knowledge of his will through all spiritual wisdom and understanding. The knowledge of his will that we would be like Jesus in relationship, to be like Jesus in life. And we pray this in order that you may live a life worthy of the Lord. A life worthy of the Lord is with Christ at the center and we're acting like Christ. And a life that may please Him in every way, bearing fruit in every good, every good work, growing in the knowledge of God. A life worthy of the Lord is a life lived like Jesus. And to act like Jesus is to yield control and the highest place of influence in our lives to Jesus. Look at Colossians 2, verses 6 and 7. It says, So then, just as you receive the Lord Jesus Christ... And Jesus says, Lord, continue to live in him. Now, to receive Christ, many of you have come to that place where you've received the Lord. You've come to that place in your life where you understand that you're sinful because to receive the Lord is to believe in him. And to believe in him, you need to go through a process. A prophet is the first saying that you're sinful and understand that because the Bible is clear, all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Every single one of us have been born into sin and we kind of add to this mountain of moral debt all of our life. And that sin locks us out of all kinds of things. We can't enjoy a relationship with God. Therefore, we can't truly bring Him glory. We can't live up to the full potential that God has given us, and we will eventually be led out of heaven unless we deal with this sin. Now, the, the difficulty of sin is that there's nothing humanly we can do to rid ourselves of it. We can try to try to counteract it by acting good and, and, and reading the Bible and coming to church, and those are all good things, except they don't change our sinful condition. There's nothing humanly we can do to, to change that. That's why we need Jesus. That's why he's the Savior. He saved us from that, that sinful, locked-in place. 
and how when we receive him, we understand that we're sinful, we understand that Jesus is our Savior, and then we commit our life to living it in him, to living his way. And many of you have done that. And we need to continue, as, as the scripture says, to live in that. If you haven't yet done that or don't know for sure, boy, don't leave today without making sure. Come talk to us one of us after, either during the prayer time or after the service, or call me up or email me. My email's on the, on the worship uh, folder in the notes section. And let's talk about that. But So then, just as you receive Christ Jesus as Lord, it says, continue to live in Him. Live in relationship with Him. Live with Him at the center of your life, that highest place of affection. Rooted and built up in Him. Strengthened in the faith as you were taught. And overflowing with thankfulness. Because life aligns when we are living in Him, when He is central. For when Christ is central, our focus is easily set on the things that bring Him glory and not self, like in relationships. So Colossians 3.17, the, the verse we ended with last week, bridges over to what we're going to be talking about this week. And whatever you do, like relationships, <laughs> whether in word or deed, like in relationships, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to the Father through Him. The name of Jesus meaning in his, of His glory, not of self or anyone else. 1 Corinthians 10.31, we talk about this verse almost every week. So, whether you eat or drink, whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. That in every area of life, we should choose to bring God glory. That's why we did that Instagram thing. And, and in doing that, if you want to add to it, it's, you can look it up uh, on the lobby way and what the hashtag to use to do Instagram. But we've been taking pictures and you've been sending them in and we posted a bunch up here. But here's another one. Here's a couple of guys uh, enjoying the angel game. <laughs> it must have been painful for Justin, but he was wearing his Seahawks hat. Uh, Justin, the one in the baseball cap, he is a definite uh, uh, Seattle fan. And so uh, Mariners or the, or the Seahawks are his team, and he makes no bones about telling us all about that in, you know, to Adnostium. But, um, but here are these two guys enjoying that, and, and also these, this whole crew of people helping us in our media area and making Sunday mornings happen, the fellowship that happens in there and working together, all those things to bring God glory. You see, when Christ is our aim, our greatest affection then all we do can bring him glory. Now, the Apostle Paul has been talking about this all through this book of Colossians. And now Paul turns once again to talk about our human relationships. And in Colossians chapter 3, verse 18 to 4, verse 4, he gives us seven Christ-centered actions that bring God glory in relationships. And so I want us to look in on this. But before we do, why don't you stand to your feet, I don't know, set your Bible to the side, and, and let's uh, pray and ask God to to challenge us this morning. Brett mentioned it, and I do mention it almost every Sunday. You're here for a reason. There's something about what's going to be said here, looking into God's Word, that God wants you to get. I know holiday times brings on the craziness of relationships. And maybe there's something in here that the Holy Spirit wants to teach you and challenge you with. And so let's ask Him. Father God, thank you for the truth of your word and how it cuts right deep into the area and the issues. Lord, convict us, challenge us, motivate us, help us, encourage us, all that, Lord, through your word this morning. Give us those gems and maybe even aha moments where we connect with you and understand what you want us to get out of this morning. Thank you for what you're going to do in, the, in our minds and hearts, we pray in your son's name. Amen. Have a seat and uh, take out your outline. If you haven't already done so, let's, let's launch into the seven Christ-centered actions that bring God glory in relationships. The first is when we live out Jesus' way over culture. Look at verse 18. 
of chapter 3. It says, wives, submit to your husbands as is fitting to the Lord. See? It's all her problem. No. <laughs> Some of you didn't laugh very hard. It was only men laughing at that point. Now, you're probably wondering, what does this have to do with all of relationships and living Jesus' way over culture. Well, before you start to mix in our own culture of bias to this, let me briefly explain God's design for marriage and how this relates to all of us in relationships. Genesis 2.24, God says, For this reason a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife, and they will become one flesh. Jesus expands upon this in Matthew 19, verses 5 and 6, and says this, For this reason a man shall leave his father and mother shall be united to his wife and the two shall become one flesh so they no longer are two but one therefore where god is joined together let no man separate this is also quoted in mark chapter 10 verse 5 or verse 8 and then ephesians chapter 5 verse 31 you see a marriage a marriage relationship is like a team a team that our great coach pulled together a dream team where God gave us roles to play so that we would live in the, and, and rela- have these relationships and that we would accomplish much. In the marriage relationship, to produce great kids, if God so allows, to work together uh, in our jobs, to enhance and sharpen each other, to enhance and sharpen each other in character, to encourage each other, and to be that complement to each other. Now, um, write down Genesis chapter 2, just somewhere on your side notes, and look at that chapter, because that word compliment comes out of there. And that's not, that compliment isn't like, oh, that's a nice shirt you have on there. It's compliment means one thing that works together with another, and both of them make something wonderful together. See, in Genesis chapter 2, God saw that man was alone. And he said, I will make him a suitable helper for him. Now, that Hebrew word there, suitable helper, is the Hebrew word kegnigdo. It's, it's, it's a, the best English equivalent we can come up with is compliment. And, and that where two things come together and make something wonderful. And I like food illustrations. So it's like this. You have jelly and you have peanut butter and together they make a great sandwich, right? Okay, so you have macaroni and cheese and together they make something wonderful, right? You got sushi, wasabi, you got chocolate and peanut butter, chocolate and uh, orange, you've got chocolate and almonds, you've got chocolate and a- anything with chocolate is a wonderful match. But you, you get the picture. The idea is, is a compliment. We're to be complementary in relationship. We're great apart, but together, wow! And especially in a marriage, it's wow, wow! And, and then God does some incredible things with that, and, and that's the idea, and we need to be part of that team as well to bring out God's purposes with this dream team in our family, in our church, in our neighborhood, in our community, in our city, in our state, in our nation, in our world that we live in, all the while reflecting God and bringing Him glory. And all this happens when we follow Jesus' way and not culture's. You see, culture has, a, has, has, has really now a very different idea of marriage and relationships. In marriage, a culture is it's kind of like we treat marriage like shoes, you know? We wear them for a while, and when they start to get, you know, uncomfortable, we throw them away. Uh, and, yet, and, and also, the culture says, in a relationship, it's all about me. It's my needs being met. Does this relationship enhance me? Is this, is this something that I should be involved for for my own glory? And yet the way of Christ is different. And we have to choose Jesus' way or we'll naturally go the way of culture. And so Paul brings out one specific 
God-glorifying action that a woman should take on and one that a man should step, step into in the very next verse. In verse 18, it says, for a woman in a marriage or a woman who hopes to be married in, in a marriage is to yield to the team, to submit. Not the cultural idea of an oppressed, mindless servant who is given in marriage only to do what her husband says, nor is it the flip side of that to be the one who gets their way all the time and who makes sure that they're dominant. Now, it's neither one of those. See, the sense Paul is getting at is to be submissive to join in the team. The team is two uh, perfect and wonderful things coming together and complementing. Marriage is not about the man. It's not about the woman. It's about God. And it's about His glory. And we each have roles to play. Uh, Let's say you were a soccer coach. And and you said, okay, you're going to be a midfielder and and you're going to be a goalie. And you set out to do your work, and all of a sudden you decide as a goalie, I don't want to be a goalie anymore. I'm just going to do something else. <laughs> the goal's wide open. It would be utter chaos if everybody on the field were deciding, deciding to play whatever their part they wanted. And it's that same way in a marriage or in relationships. It's utter chaos when we don't play our roles and play our parts. And it's very difficult because like that soccer game, you know, where all the parents are yelling at their kids, ah! and the kids are looking, oh, who do I listen to? And the coach is going, you should be listening to me. <laughs> and God says the same thing. There's a lot of things yelling at us in the world, telling us how to be in relationships. And the coach, God says, this is how you be. This is how you're to play. This is how to play your role. And so we have to bring what we're told to Scripture and to live Jesus' way over culture. Now, Christy and I, we have a good marriage. Uh, um, we've been spending how many years now? 30, 30 31, thank you. Uh, and uh, neither one of us are perfect. Well, she's perfect. <laughs> I'm not. <laughs> and uh, um, and we, we, both have, we both have our own unique personality. Um, you know, we, we tend to be both stubborn and self-sufficient and, and, are, and are basically used to getting our way. Now, I don't know if that's because of birth order, because both of us are the babies in our family, or it's because of the childhood we brought up and both of us were kind of left alone, kind of abandoned, and, and, and we were left to raise ourselves. But we're also in jobs that, uh, that require us to kind of be that way. Uh, Christy is a, is a kindergarten teacher. It's like herding cats, and she has 33 kids. All to herself, no aid. So, you know, she's the queen of her classroom. And let me tell you, I come to visit every now and then, and she has got that classroom. It's a wonderful, uh, just beautiful thing to watch because she has order in that classroom, and she definitely is a queen. This is how we do it in room one. <laughs> and, and, and me, I'm the, I'm the lead pastor here, so I usually most of the time get my way. But, it, um, but it's, we're in jobs that kind of accentuate that, and so we're to come together as a team. <laughs> you can already feel some of the conflict that might happen in that thing. Because I'm, I really think I'm right most of the time. And so does she. <laughs> and so we have, we have to work that out. And we have to work together as a team to complement each other as we go through life. As we raise our kids. As we live our life. As we deal with life. And the great thing is Christy is perfect at submitting to the team. She doesn't check out. She doesn't try to blaze her way or no way. She really works to get the team out. And it helps me to be a better man. But I also seek, as we'll see in the next verse, to love her like Jesus. See, too much, we abdicate our submitting to the team. 
we just step away. It's our way or no way. Either I get what I want or watch out. And this idea of, of, of checking out and saying, fine, I'll just kind of just do it my own way is, is not an option either. <laughs> God calls us to be together. And so we're to live Jesus's way. The verse ends in, in verse 18. It says, as it is fitting for the Lord, not what fits culture, which is so self-centered and so self-focused, and that this relationship can be changed quickly. It's not like that. See, relationship, relationships that bring God glory are those who go Jesus' way. Uh, Peter summed it up in 1 Peter 3.8 when he says, Finally, all of you, live in harmony with one another. Be sympathetic. Love as brothers. Be compassionate and humble. Well, we could spend a week on just that verse. And when we live like that, it brings God glory. And guys, we're to submit as well. To submit to the team and to bring God glory in relationships. And yes, uh, our way, but our unique way. And Jesus called us to a high standard when he says that we are to love like Jesus. Husbands, love your wives, verse 19, and do not be harsh with them. This love is gentle. And as Ephesians 5.25 says, we are to love how Jesus loves the church. How does Jesus love the church? He cares. He is passionate. He is moved with compassion. He holds her as the highest priority next to God. And he gave his very life for her. When we love like that, we are being real men. Not some wimp of a boy that that's in a man's body who only thinks of himself and his needs and his wants and plays games all the time and not thinking of how to contribute to the world that God has placed him in. You see, a real man loves like Jesus, who seeks God, who cares for others, who steps up and sacrifices, and who seeks every opportunity possible to rescue his beauty, his girl, his wife. That's a man. And it's time that some of us boys man up man up and quit thinking about our own needs and to love her like Jesus would. And this goes really in all relationships. For Jesus said in John 13, 34, a new commandment I give to you, Jesus says, love one another as I have loved you. We're to love like Jesus. So you must love one another, Jesus says. For when we embrace the love of Jesus, when we love him, we can love like Jesus. And it radiates off the incredible glory of God. And so it does when we seek to please Jesus. Look at verse 20. Fathers, do not embitter your children or they will become discouraged. Notice it says, uh, excuse me, children obey your parents. Whew, I wouldn't jump into this. So verse 20, children obey your parents in everything for it pleases the Lord. Notice it says it, it pleases the Lord. You see, our aim in life is not to please self or anyone else, but it is to please God. In our family, and in our family as a child, it pleases God to obey parents. Now, sure, if a parent tells us to do something that's directly against what God says, we're to follow God first, but that's very rare. We are to seek to please God. Write down Galatians chapter 1, verse 10. The challenge there 
is given to us to seek God's approval, not man's. For it pleases God for us to obey and to follow him. Write down 1 Samuel chapter 15. In 1 Samuel chapter 15, Israel gets its first king in that area, and uh, area of Scripture. Uh, it's the person by the name of Saul, not the Saul of the New Testament, it's the Saul of the Old Testament. Saul was a uh, chosen king mostly because he was head and shoulders above everybody else. He's a really tall guy. And they figured, tall king, we'd win everything. <laughs> so they chose him. God said, I, I'd like to be your king, and, and that's all. He, and they said, no, we want to be a king like everybody else. And so they chose Saul. And Saul did, did okay for a while. But then God gave him a very specific command to obey. It was to go into this one city and eradicate everything. But he chose, and he looked at all the different plunder that was there, and he said, you know, I'm going to save some of these goats and rams. I'm going to save some of this silver and gold, and I'm going to keep it to myself. And, and you know, God would want me to do that anyways. And he didn't follow God's law to the T. But turn, if you could, if you have your Bible with you, turn to 1 Samuel chapter 15, verse 22. And look at what Samuel the prophet says about this. You know, Saul, he had confronted Saul and, and, and he'd said to Saul, you know, why is it that you didn't follow God's law? He goes, no, 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 I saved some of the stuff to give back to God, to sacrifice to him. And, and Samuel says this, does the Lord delight in burnt offerings and, sacri- and sacrifices as much as in obeying the voice of the Lord? To obey is better than sacrifice and to heed is better than the fat of rams. Get this, for rebellion is, is the sin of divination. That ought to make you go, what? Rebellion is equal to going to Satan and to thinking that his power is greater than God's. That's what rebellion is. It's saying that my power is better than God's and that's just as bad as witchcraft. And this second line is just as bad. And, And arrogance is like evil idolatry. When you're arrogant, you now become your own idol because you say, I'm right, and that's it. For rebellion is like the sin of divination and arrogance is like the evil of idolatry because you have rejected the word of the Lord. He has rejected you as king. We are to know what God wants us to know from his word. We're to know what he's commanded us to do. So read and study and know and follow God's word. And you can't claim ignorance here. You see, it's, it's, it's like if you were driving, driving along and, and you saw this red sign that says the word S-T-O-P on it and you just blaze right through it. Police officer pulls you over and you say, yeah, what's wrong, officer? Said, well, didn't you see that stop sign? Oh, yes, I did. Oh, really? Well, how come you didn't stop? Well, I didn't know what you were supposed to do. If you have a driver's license... You're supposed to know all of the laws of the road, right? Yes. When you become a Christian, you get the license to the family of God, and it is our obligation to know what God wants from us. So that's why we study, and there is no excuse. Every one of us has access to a Bible. I just offered one free to every single one here. We are without excuse to know what it is to please God. 
And we are to take our life to study and to, to know and to follow those things. And that's what it means to be Christ-centered. Remember Matthew 6, Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. To seek his righteousness is to know what his righteousness is, to know what his way is, and to follow it, to seek what is pleasing to God. Do that, and your relationships will glorify God. Here's another Christ-centered action that brings God glory in relationships, is to be responsible. Let me go back to the verse that I read a while ago. Colossians chapter 3, verse now 21. Fathers, do not embitter your children, or they will become discouraged. Ephesians 6, 4, uh, Paul says it in a different way here. Fathers, don't exasperate your kids. It's for us dads and really all of us to be responsible to listen to God and to play our role and our part in relationships. And in a family... It is to spur our kids on to love God and to love others. Write down somewhere in your notes, Deuteronomy chapter 6, verses 4 to 9. It says that as dads, that we're supposed to, and moms too, to take every opportunity to teach our kids when we sit down and we rise up and we walk along the way, to teach them about how wonderful and amazing and incredible God is and how much He loves people and we should love them as well. But in all relationships... All of Scripture says all kinds of things to us. In Philippians 2, 3, it says, do not think of, think of others more important than yourselves. And so we should be caring. Uh, we're also to be helpful, as Galatians 6, 1 says, that we should bear one another's burdens and be encouraging, as Hebrews 10, 24 says, that we should uh, spur one another on to love and to good deeds. And to be honest, Proverbs 27, 6 says, the wounds of a friend are helpful and good and kind. The wounds of a friend, because someone's honest, they'll say, yeah, you have bad breath. <laughs> it's not fun to hear that, but at least you're glad so you don't offend anybody else. But along with that, as, as Proverbs twenty-seven seventeen says, iron sharpens iron, so does one man sharpen another. So does one person sharpen another. And, and that sharpening is from friction. You know, when friends get together, they challenge each other and they encourage each other. They spur each other on and they, they sharpen each other. We're to be honest in those friendships. As well, affirming. Proverbs 18, 24 uh, says that there is a friend that sticks closer to a brother. Part of being affirming is being there. Physically there. Not distant, but actually there. And so we're to be there in relationships. As well, to say good things. As Ephesians 4, 29 says, let no unwholesome word proceed out of your mouth, but only such a word that's good for edification, the building up of each other. I expanded upon this in my email. Some of you get my weekly emails, and I expanded upon this. If you want to know more or you want to get that email, just take one of the communication cards, write your email address legibly, and we'll, we'll get it to you. Or just email me, and I'll email it back to you and then put you on that list. My email address is in the bottom right down here. But God has given us all responsibilities in how we should treat each other. Matter of fact, uh, all through Scripture or the one another's in Scripture. And if you pick up, and I encourage you to do that, you know, these small group pages, we make these up every week for every sermon. And a lot of small groups do sermon-based this. But these are great for personal study. And on the back here, here's a number of the one another's of Scripture. Pick one of these up and just use this for studying about how you should be with one another, love one another, encourage one another, uh, help one another, spur one another on. And all those things are in Scripture. Learn from what that, and be responsible with what God's given you in this relationship. So let's step up. Let's step up and be responsible. For when we do, we bring God glory. 
In relationships, it also brings God glory when we choose to be diligent. Look at verse 22 to 24 or 25. It says, Slaves, obey your earthly masters in everything. And do it not only when their eye is on you and to win their favor, but when, but with sincerity of heart and reverence for the Lord. For whatever you do, work at it with all of your heart as working for the Lord, not for men. Since you know that you will receive an inheritance from the Lord as a reward. It is the Lord Christ you are serving. Anyone who does wrong will be repaid for this wrong, for there's no favoritism with God. <clears throat> he sees us all the same. And we're to work hard at our relationships, to be diligent in them, to not be lazy and not give into the adage that if I don't get caught, it's okay. Because at work, at school, uh, uh, parenting, caregiving, volunteering, being a friend, a spouse, a mom, a dad, managing the resources God has given us, God is counting on us. He's placed us where we are and what we have, what we have, and the relationships we're in to do our excellent best for the Lord. He gave us these responsibilities and this relationship to work hard at them. It's too easy to be, relation, to be lazy in relationships and just let them pass. It takes work. But when we do, we'll bring God great glory. Another Christ-centered action that brings glory to God in relationships is to be respectful. Look at verse 1 of chapter 4. Masters, provide your slaves with what is right and fair, because you know that you also have a master in heaven. Just because you are a boss or over someone does not mean you can abuse your leadership or abuse your responsibility. We are to be right according to God, follow his guidelines, and to be fair in line with what is equitable and to manage people well, respecting them, appreciating them, being kind to them, but as well not being codependent and letting People get away with poor behavior that are under your leadership. The Lord's the ultimate authority. And we who lead answer to Him. So be respectful. Be respectful and lead well. For when you do, it brings God glory. Lastly, a Christ-centered action that brings God glory in relationships is when we pray. Look at verse 2 through 4. Devote yourself to prayer. Being watchful and thankful. And praying for us, too, that God may open a door for our message so that we may proclaim the mystery of Christ for which I am in chains. Pray that I may proclaim it clearly as I should. We're to pray about our part in the relationships. <clears throat> to pray for others. To pray you will bring God glory in your relationship. In all things pray, it actually brings you closer together when you pray. Not only when you pray <clears throat> with each other, but also when you pray for each other. That's why I love those cards because I can pray for you and I feel closer to you when I pray. And we are to, to pray for each other for it draws us closer and to, and to pray about opportunities. I would encourage you to, <clears throat> to pray about this Christmas opportunity and the reason we gave this to you is so you would pray. Pray that God would bring some of your friends here to hear about the Lord. Pray that people would come and come to hear the Lord. And it brings God glory when we pray and we pray together. Relationships are important. Now, you're probably wondering, <clears throat> what in the world pomegranates have to do with relationships? I know you've been wondering that. You've been thinking, what is the, what's the pomegranate's got to do with anything? Anybody ever eat a pomegranate? Yeah. Okay. 
Isn't it messy? Isn't it difficult to get to the really good part? And even in there, there's a seed somewhere in there. <laughs> uh, and, and those stains, they never come out. See, relationships are a lot like pomegranates. Sometimes it's difficult to get down to the good stuff. <laughs> and believe me, it is messy. Relationships are messy. And sometimes the, the, the friction or the messiness of relationships get on us and it's really hard to let it go or to get it over with. But God gave us relationships to, to bring him glory. And one of the great things about a pomegranate, I don't know if you know the nutritional value of a pomegranate, but it is amazing. Uh, the, the, the nutritional value in here is, is, is all kinds. Of, I mean, if you go look online, you can see all kinds of things, what, what pomegranates heal you from and what they help you with. And they're, it's an amazing, incredible uh, uh, food for us to have. Very healthy. And so are relationships. But again, they are messy. And it takes work. And yes, we may experience those awkward relational interactions, yet... God's call is to have Christ-like, God-reflecting relationships where we live Jesus' way over cultures, love like Jesus, seek, pe- seek to please Jesus, be responsible, be diligent, be respectful, and pray. It will make a huge difference. Still, still be messy, <laughs> but it will bring God great glory, even this Thanksgiving, even this Christmas when we follow God's guidelines, God's glory-giving guidelines. Will you pray with me? Father, I thank you for your word and just the challenge it is and the, the really the beauty it is is it helps us deal with these uh, relationships that we're in. And Lord, we're awkward, quirky individuals and, and Lord, we, we're messy. And, and Lord, we need help. And so, Lord, may we apply these truths that you've given us today and work on those things that you called to our mind as we went through this that we need to work on ourselves. And Lord, help us to have good relationships, even this holiday season, even over Thanksgiving and over Christmas. Help us to be and to foster God-glorifying relationships, even in that time. We pray this in your Son's name. Amen. We're going to move into a time of...